It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, March 12, 13, 14, 15th, and you're listening to episode. 459 i'm your host jason here joined once again my my good pal julio who's been on basically paternity leave for a while now so yes. welcome back sir how you doing uh, uh, i'm doing great man i'm doing great it's been it's been quite a couple of months since we last spoke um yes. my my son was born on january 5th so he was two days past the due date so right on time um, nice my wife, she's man, she's a trooper. She did fantastic. It was a thirty-three hour uh, oh. <laughs> labor, um, and he was he was ten pounds. Uh, oh, yep, yep, oh, and <laughs> twenty-three inches long. He's a, he's a big one. He's a big one, man. Um, it's a healthy baby you got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely is. And man, he's growing so fast at this point. It's weird because he's been wearing, starting to wear three to six months, and He's just yeah. he's just two months now, so yeah, my he kids may were be that a big one. <laughs> but it, you know, awesome. that's a it, it's definitely been uh, getting used to. Like that first January went in a blur. I was very blessed that I had uh, family visiting from Puerto Rico, yeah. and they were helping around the house. I mean, for you listeners out there, builders, if you're ever having a kid, first timers, and and you can have help, people uh, uh, offer help do it <laughs> because i mean it's yeah, one yeah. of those things that you can focus on the baby and all the other stuff like cleaning and cooking and laundry you know family can do all that stuff and and they're there for that and they know that so of course they're they're there for the baby as well so they were st- static about that um right right uh, well the they're there man- for the baby but you put them to work with the other stuff <laughs> exactly exactly but so so it was actually uh, quite nice. We were enjoying that. Of course, sleep was definitely a little um, here and there mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's funny because I have a, this auto sleep app and I went from, you know, no sleep deprivation to like 30 percent for the and, and I'm still at like at 20 percent <laughs> because it's still but he's getting there. He's getting there. He's like at six, six hours sleeping on a row at night. So hopefully he'll stay that way. Uh, how about you? How's awesome. uh, that? I know you've been talking with the with all the builders out there, and I've listened as well. But uh, what's been going on on your side? Because I got some some design stuff to talk about too. But yeah, yeah. Um, things have been going going really well. Um, some of the projects I've been working on have been moving forward. I've got to have some really good pitch meetings and just conversations with some really cool companies of late. Um, and that's that's just been exciting. Um. You know, um, it, it's fun to feel those doors kind of open and stuff. Like, uh, it's a weird feeling, but it's a good feeling. Um, other things, I've been working with my mentee quite a bit because um, mm-hmm. I'm an official mentor for the tabletop mentorship yeah. thing, and uh, and I'm I'm really enjoying doing that. I I had a lot of trepidation in the beginning uh, that I was gonna like be really bad at it or you know not qualified, and they were like, no, <laughs> do it anyways, and and it's it's just been great. Like I I feel like. They've got me with a really good match. Um, it was actually a person I requested, which was cool. Like I looked oh. at the things and said, I think I can help this person. Um, and so far, it seems like I was correct. Like we're a good fit. We get along really well. Um, you know, I've been able to answer most of their questions. And when they've needed feedback on other things, ask other people uh, for yeah. to provide feedback. And those people have been great. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about all of that. Um, and then I've just been... Um, putting together a lot of pitch stuff of late as we talked before the show. Um, uh, cool you were putting on. together some of those pitch things too. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, those, uh, those can be kind of consuming, but uh, the way that company does their pitches is really cool. It's done in a way that makes it. Um, and the reason why we're not mentioning anything is because of NDAs. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, in fact, it was funny because when Julio and I started talking at the beginning, I didn't realize he had an NDA with it and that he was also doing the thing. <laughs> and now it turns out we're pitching head to head. And uh, yeah. And uh, yeah. So I, I, but well, it's funny. I, I'm, a, I'm a little ahead, though, because I already pitched it a, a month ago. So 
Oh, yeah, that's fair. And then they and yet they still are interested in other games. So hmm, I wonder yeah. I wonder what that means. <laughs> Just mm, maybe. But yeah. no, it was cool because uh, this specific pitch, and I won't talk about what it was, but it was really neat that you and I both took very different avenues for it. I'm working uh, on it and you're working on it and um and we kind of pitched our ideas to each other and they're very different. I think they're both yeah. really fun. Um, and I think they both checked the boxes uh, for what they were looking for, but it, it's just interesting to see how different they were. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll 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 see what where that uh, ends up. But yeah, that was definitely for me February. That was kind of the start of February. Man, February was a uh, all the pent up energy, design energy that I had for January. Not you know just focusing on the baby and helping around and stuff like that. I January I kind of went all in man and and I was I I think I worked like on four new games in January in February so so it was definitely a quite a productive month um one thing that I did in January though was that you were talking about the whole mentee mentor uh thing I I actually applied for the Zenobia mm -hmm. award uh which is uh, for those of you that uh, haven't heard that's a that's an award that uh, focuses on historical games made by designers from underrepresented cultures um and one thing mm -hmm. i've always had uh in mind that i wanted to design is a historical game or historical adjacent game based on the taino indian which is the native uh indian in puerto rico in the uh 15th uh, or 14th oh, century. Awesome. Um, and I thought that was going to be a great opportunity because the way the Zenobia award works is that you don't need to have a game completely designed to, to just apply for it. So you normally like normal uh, competitions is just, you submit a game and then people play it and, and, and right, you either right. win or not. And this one is actually, you just submit a, 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 a concept, what you want to do with your game. And then they assigned you a mentor that's, uh, you know, related to your culture in some way, has done historical games. And I got a designer. He's, his name is Ivan Cáceres from the Canary Islands. Um, and and uh, he's been uh, uh, a good help on, on that. And and basically, it's like step by step. Awesome. It's, really, it's really nice because it's a good pace, especially for historical games. One of the things I was kind of hesitant is because it involves a lot of research. Even though I'm from the same culture, it's definitely I don't know a lot about it. There's not a lot of information on it, so I had to like right, right. <laughs> buy books and and read. And I'm 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 almost there finishing up the book, <laughs> the hist history book that I bought for it. And I've been doing an Excel sheet for everything, so it's just been really slow, but it's been really good uh, to to do it. So uh, I just submitted the second uh, proposal for the phase, which is kind of like a. Uh, mechanisms and historical uh, contacts and and a lot of different uh, things that they wanted. So it's a little more um, involved. And I think the next one is kind of like a like a draft of rules and stuff like that. So at this point, I'm gonna have to start getting the game together and start testing it because I already have kind of like a base of what I want to do. But it's just getting getting everything together because it's it's very involved. Um, You know, I like to design games that oh, are yeah, yeah, that are simple and and uh, and just fast. And th this is not that for sure. So I'm uh, and I'm definitely excited for that. So that's <laughs> that's one of those that I've been working on for for this uh, March and and February. Um, and and I guess a, a, another thing that um, uh design wise that I've been involved besides what we were talking about earlier. That was mm -hmm. another thing that I told you earlier in that game. It's been a while since I had an idea and that game just came together and, and like that. Um, and I play right, tested right. it and I haven't changed a single thing about the game and I pitched it and they were interested and, and nice. we'll see what happens. So, so it's definitely one of those things that uh, I feel like it was lightning in a bottle, but you never know what other people think. So hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens there. Right. Um, I also, I think I didn't mention on the last time I was in, in you in December that I was designing a game with, uh, with Eric Lang. Um, and he has, yeah, been very, yeah. he has been very, very good to work with. Um, like I mentioned in the past mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm not the best co-designer to work with because I'm very, I, I, 
I, oh, I, I like know. To, <laughs> <laughs> I like to work very fast, and and uh, if if things don't move along, I get a little angsty, and and I ex- I expect a lot from from my co-designer, and 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 that's a, you know that's okay sometimes taking it at its own slow pace. That's fine too, but I like to do things fast, and I expect that to be the case with co-designers. So. Uh, with him, obviously he, he does this for a living. So he only does design stuff for his life. Of course, a lot of the people I've worked with in the past they're they just do this as a side thing. So I understand that part. So we've been really, really involved in the design that we were working on and we actually pitched it to, uh, Hasbro, uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's no NDA involved in this. So I can talk about that. I'm, I, I'm not going to talk about the game specifically because it may, you know, uh but of course yeah <laughs> but uh yesterday uh we had a second meeting and this meeting was with five people Ooh. from from Hasbro so it was uh it was very different from what you're used to and here's a little insight on how things right, work right. for for them so it's interesting because they essentially can uh basically option a game and this happens in the film industry as you as you know um, and basically what that yeah, means yep. is that they're evaluating the game still, but they're paying you to evaluate the game. And, and it's crazy because they yep. can pay you from like five to $10,000 per month <laughs> on, on just to evaluate a game. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's like when you sign a game and royalties that you get from, you can't even get that. And, and for Hasbro, they are paying you just to evaluate the game. And not even sign it. So, wow, wow. So there, we're definitely excited about that. And Eric uh, hasn't actually signed the game with Hasbro either, so he's really excited as well because he is definitely shifting towards. Oh wow, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, he's he's worked with a lot of other companies, obviously, but uh, he hasn't with that. So he's very excited about that, and and he's also very interested in us working with them on the development, and of course. Uh, he has a certain pull on that, right? Because he's mm-hmm. had that kind of experience. So it's definitely going to be a really good learning opportunity for me. Um, uh, but this one actually, this design actually came from, from. so I'm the main designer on that design. Uh, so so it's interesting how getting the whole uh, co-designer d- dynamic there, it's been really good and, and I have enjoyed it. Yeah, so yeah. Much, yeah, so much that I uh, we actually started designing a second game um, and that one's coming together fairly quickly. Well, that's too. great. So, so we, that's that's another Very game cool. that I, <laughs> that I started working on, and and uh, I'm I'm definitely been very motivated, and there's a lot going on, and I ha- I don't have a lot of time. It's just been crazy, 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 but in a good way. And to top it all off, um, earlier this week, I got the first dose of the COVID vaccine. Um. So, oh, lucky you. That's awesome. I'm waiting, signed up and waiting, but yeah, it's going to be a bit. Yeah. So for those, uh, you know, at least in North Carolina, they're currently on phase three, which is frontline workers. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, what that involves. And since I'm an engineer for transportation in the forest service that uh, I count as a frontline worker because Mm -hmm. I have to go out on the field and do all that assessment. I mean, that's why I drive so much. Um, so I right. was, so I was able to, to get into that and I'm, you know, of course I'm, I'm definitely excited. We're definitely seeing the, the little light at the end of the tunnel type deal. Of course it's going to be different, everything, but we're definitely getting there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My wife and I are both signed up. Um, but we're just, uh, yeah, we're just waiting. So can't wait i would take it right now i would leave the show right now to go get a shot just leave my kids upstairs in bed they'll probably be fine so um yeah (laughs) yeah so so we're um that's kind of one thing so of course with everything going on right now i could definitely see some some fourth quarter conventions going on you know i i I think yeah i think smaller ones yeah i think smaller ones i i still think you couldn't pay me to go to Gen Con this year, even if it was in December. I mean, it's just, it's literally people from all around the world um, in a very tight space together. And it's like 60,000 people. It's just, that just seems like a horrible risk to me. But like we were talking about Grand Con, maybe if they were to run that late this year, I would consider Grand Con if I'm vaccinated. 
um, which by then there's no reason I shouldn't be. I mean, um, you know, the president is saying he would like everyone vaccinated by May who wants to be. Um, and that's, uh, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. that is way sooner than I would have ever thought, especially the way things were going previously. I mean, we've made some huge hurdles, um, and some huge steps. So, yeah. 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 And, um, of course there's, there's definitely going to be, uh, some people that will not get vaccinated. Uh, but hopefully a lot of people take it into their conscience that it's not just their safety, but everybody else's as well. Yes. Um, so everybody out there, if you can get vaccinated, do it. Um, I did it through Walgreens. So, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, oh, cool. uh of different, uh, just companies do it, starting to do it now. So as they get to phase, I guess we have five phases where the fifth phase is just anybody that wants to do it. Right. Um, yep. so we'll, we'll see when, when, when we get there. So when you can do it. Yep. And my wife and I both have some things that put us just ahead of phase five. So that's why we're signed up now, basically on the wait list. So like we would get it in the next round, no matter what, but if, if we could get it now, because there's extra doses, by all means, I'm in, you know, like I said, yeah. I would at the drop of a hat, I would go get it done. So, um, yeah, my, both my parents have already had it. So that's really cool. Good. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, we uh, should uh, we should chat a little bit about our topic for this evening, uh, yeah. which I feel like we've done a good uh, build up to um, because we're going to talk about different uh, forms of goals. Um, you got a whole list of different kinds of goals you want to talk about. Um, and I realized <laughs> that as we talk about all these things and how things have been moving for you and I and for a lot of us right now, um, having those goals is really important and uh, not just setting big, broad goals, but also doing it in some different ways that I'll let you speak about before we, we talk. Yeah. And the reason why I, I wanted to bring this up is because I the all these different types of goals came into my conscience as I got into the federal government. And essentially at the start of every fiscal year, I have to do what's called an IDP and an individual development plan. Um, where Oh yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah, so you have to basically put in what your your goals are for that year or your career and stuff like that. And essentially what they have it they have it they have it uh, divided into three separate kinds of goals um, which are short-term, mid-term and long-term goals. And as you probably realize these involve essentially time. Like short-term goals are essentially things that you can do now and and yep. a couple of weeks and midterm goals can be a couple of months and long-term goals could be years. Um, I do realize, however, that that usually would not apply so well when as a designer because we are in a creative space. So you may have a long-term goal of being a designer full-time or a publisher full-time, but you don't really know how long that's going to take. Um so that's why I kind of came up with, hey, let's let's maybe call them a little different. And and that's why I, I came up with micro goals, uh, then normal goals and my macro, M-A-C-R-O goals. Um, so the reason why I, I went with those is essentially kind of like a broad sense. The macro goals are encompassing what you are wanting to do uh, on a on a from the outside point of view. So the if you want to be a publisher full-time, if you want to be a designer full-time, that's what a macro goal would be. Then uh, on a normal goal would be something along the lines, I want to get a game signed. I want to get a game published. If you have had games published or signed, you know, I want to get this many games signed or something like along those lines. And then the micro goals are very interesting because those are the ones that essentially make all the other ones happen. And I had a conversation with my wife the other day because with the baby and everything, uh, obviously we don't have a lot of time. And she has her own business. She's a professional photographer. <laughs> um, and, and now I have my own side board game design business at this point. Mm -hmm. and, and what micro goals are is something that you can set yourself to do uh, at a, at a certain point in time, like you can do it right now if you want, or you can do it during this week, but for you to set it as a micro mm -hmm. goal, and this could be something like, if you're thinking like, uh, like a to-do list, 
The thing with to-do lists is that I would say that to complete a certain item on that to-do list will be your micro goal. Having a to-do list is good. Like, okay, I have to respond to this email. I have to do the rules for this game. Those are, uh, that's a to-do list. So your micro goal is I want to do four items on that to-do list today. Um, So Mm -hmm. if you do have items, individual items, that would be kind of like a, like a something a little smaller than what a micro goal can be. And of course, um, I just right. kind of came coming up with these on the fly. So if, others may think of it of a different way, kind of expand on them a bit, but what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, oh, no, I like that. You know, the, I mean, obviously, you know, I always, you know, like I've never been a huge fan of super macro goals. Like when somebody's like my five year plan is because like there are so many things that happen in that time that it Mm -hmm. makes it very hard to accurately set a goal um, that's going to mean anything. You know, I even when I was doing like IDP plans for my employees, uh, my last job, you know, so many times the business moves so fast that when you would set goals for the end of the year. Many times by the time you hit the end of the year, those goals were either irrelevant uh, or accomplished a long time ago because they had to be as part, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, so the idea of micro goals is really interesting to me because I do sometimes work off to-do lists, you know, um, but really like right now, like working on all these pitches that I'm doing, like the, you know, those micro goals are okay. I'm going to get this portion of this pitch done, right? Like I'm going to get this one pitch locked away. Then I'm going to move on to the next one. Then I'm going to move on to the next one. Um, you know, like I, that is helpful to me. Um, and so, so I, I certainly use them that way. Um, you know, but I, I also like setting very specific goals. Um, this yeah. is something Eric Slauson and I talked a little bit about at the beginning of the year, you know, where he said, I want to have an IP game this year. Like that's, that's a specific goal that I'm going to try and achieve. And then I'm taking a lot of micro goals or a lot of micro actions to push myself in that direction, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and and it's interesting that you say that about the word direction is because I thought of of having a directional goal, um, mm-hmm. and that is something that can help you steer you towards what your main goal or macro goal is. And the reason why I thought of these is because on the on the professional side of, of engineering, um, like for me, of course, one of my goals last year was to get my professional engineering um, uh, certification. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and for that, I had to go through a lot of different directional steps to, to get there. Uh, directional goals. Uh, like I yeah. have to, I wanted to take a class. It wasn't something that was necessary, but I thought it was going to help me get to that uh, bigger goal. Uh, so there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, supporting goals, directional goals. We can call it whatever we want, but those could essentially help you a lot because last year, basically, I that's basically a lot of the things I had. And we talked about this a lot, right? You know, mm-hmm. learning tabletop simulator, learning how to use my 3D printer and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is not something that we really need, but it can help us get to uh, something greater, a, better, a greater goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think without those, you, you you won't get to your goals, right? I mean, that's just like, I mean, you, you I guess, okay. You can not set those small directional goals or take it, even if you don't call them goals, those directional actions, right? If you don't take those and you reach your goal, it's because you stumbled into it, right? Mm. <laughs> because like, if you're not, I mean, you, could you have passed the test, the engineering test without taking that class? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, but like, you didn't want to have to take it again. So you said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to do this right the first time. Right. Um, and that's. Yeah that's smart right because that saves you a lot of time in the end i assume your list of micro goals every day was just study study more study more (laughs) keep studying you're still studying now Um, but but it is interesting because it's not just that right micro goals can also be stuff outside of that because of course for me to study for four months in a row there there had to be some balance of of having at least mm-hmm. a breather every now and there. So making sure that I did that, that's definitely another goal. You know, I want to study this much this week, but I want to make sure that I take at least 
you know, one hour for every three hours I, I study to, to just relax and, and, and recompress, decompress. Honestly, that's the most shocking thing you've ever said to me because I didn't honestly know that you needed breaks. Like I know normal people do, but I, I did not, uh, I did not think you did. Um, you, um, I always just thought you were a game design terminator and that you just like, you just kept moving. Um, no man, I I, yeah. I definitely take time and and take breaks. I know you're kidding, of course, but um, yeah, it definitely feels like that a lot of the time because my fun time is my design time, and if if I right, can always right. be having fun, then I'll do it. Um, but for sure, there's definitely a, a certain uh, upper limit or pressure point that you want to make sure to decompress, and whatever that means, you know, sleeping would mm-hmm. be for me, right? But we all sleep. So, so that's maybe why it feels like I'm always working, right? Because either sleeping or working. Uh, but now, of course, you got you got the in, whole. In that... Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> well, for like I was saying, the the whole family part of things now. Of course, I have a, a son now, and I gotta make sure I I I give him time, and and I gotta make sure I give my wife time because she's obviously spending time with him a lot more than I am because she's feeding him and stuff like that. I make sure that she gets a break. Um, So it's funny because sometimes I just bring him to the office and I'm just looking at him while I'm working and making sure that he gets some time here and there. And of course I feed him and stuff like that. But, but yeah, it's making sure that there's a balance because everything in excess is definitely uh, can be a problem. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you said that's, that really I think makes a difference is you said designing games is my fun time. Um, and in, to me, like I think designing games is fun, right? But to me, designing games is my creative time. Um, and so I know that's, that's a small distinction because I have fun being creative, but to me being creative is incredibly draining. Right. And like, mm. I only have so much energy for that. Um, which is why I think a lot of times, uh, for one, one of the things that's helped me with that is co-designing is that's helped keep me accountable and that I, I, I can share that energy with the co-designer. Right. Um, and on those times when I'm feeling like, Oh, I just, I don't want to do this today, but I have a co-designer and I told him I was going to, so I'm going to, right. Um, and that (laughs) really has, that has helped me, um, when I'm feeling a bit more drained and I have trouble, you know, for me, uh, a fun times is, you know, like playing a video game or playing a, co- a board game. Right. Um, again, I enjoy designing. It's fun. Um, but to me, that feels like creative work. And that's a good thing. I want it to feel like creative work because that's what I want my job to be. But um, when I get a break, like, you know, like I wouldn't like when I had a job in the corporate world. Right. Like yeah. I took breaks to design games but now i have to design games and if i take breaks i don't want to design games you know what i mean so there's like that there's that it's just this little mental switch in your head that changes um you know and this is something that rob rob one of the, the you know the former host always was worried about was what happens when it becomes work do i stop enjoying it because it's my job and and I'm thankful to say that I have not stopped enjoying designing, even though it's it's part of my job. Um, but still, it's different, right? Um, and even you know, even though I would be more willing to take time at my old job to work on a game rather than come home and work on it, because when I came home, I, I kind of wanted to veg and I was kind of out of it, you know. Um, so that's but that just shows how everybody's different and how we can still achieve our goals. Um, you know, and, and by setting these micro goals or these directional you know, goals and actions that can really help us stay focused on that, even when it's difficult. Yeah. And, and of course, again, going back to the whole fact that this is all like you were saying, a creative endeavor. So sometimes goals are may not be the, the way to do things. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't be like my micro goal today is to be inspired. Um uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff, sometimes you can't push it. And sometimes you can, you know, if you, <laughs> if you, if you have, what is it? A thousand monkeys writing, uh, uh, at the same time, they'll end up writing, I don't know, Romeo and Julia or something. Um, Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. Right. 
so so of course, but but I I do think that having having a a set of goals, which everybody sometimes kind of that's how they run in life, right? You always go goal after goal, and to a sense, your directional goal ultimately should you know usually is happiness, right? You want to be happy in some mm -hmm. sense, and 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 at some point you think happiness is you know getting uh, buying a house, right? So what are my goals? Getting to... rich? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's why well, I went know, the game design to get rich. But but you know people a lot of times don't realize that goals are just stationary. Once you get there, you always want to go to the next thing, and you hear this a lot of times. But ultimately. The directional goal is the compass, right? You just go in that direction and you just want to be happy. And what goals are those destinations that you stop along the way to to keep that happiness going? And of course, it's, it's very difficult because the more you accomplish, the harder it gets to stay, um, I guess, uh, 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 I guess what would be the word? Um, uh I don't know, happy or, or in that sense, right? Like uh, if if I keep doing what I'm doing at some point, right. I got to change what I'm doing to to do something better and uh, maybe get a different result type of deal. But uh, so what uh, I guess I you go ahead. Before we move on, there's one thing that you said that I really want to, to call out because I think it's really important is you said, you know, when you reach a goal, right? You know, like if you just have these these finite goals, when you reach a goal, now you've you've hit the goal, and that's where having that sense of direction is really helpful, right? To keep you moving, and um, and that's the difference between like finite goals and infinite goals, right? Um, but really, one of the things that I want to point out with that is for myself and my own personal experience, I find achieving goals, um, as about I would say about a million percent thrilling for about a day, and then incredibly depressing. Um, so like when I, you know, like I want to sign this big game, like if I do that, I'm going to feel awesome for about 24 hours or so. And then it's just going to feel like, well, what's next now? I what's did this next? thing. Yeah. Right. So that's where you really have to change your mindset and really focus on that direction of what do I want to keep doing? How do I want to keep growing and doing things better? Um, because if you just focus on that one goal, I promise you, like, it will not be fulfilling enough for you, right? Be in, in, and I think it's even worse when it's a goal you've had for a long time, long time right? Yeah. Like, when I set a goal and then 10 years down the road, I finally make it, like, it's going to feel really good. But after that, it's very easy to just slip into, well, I don't know what to do now, right? Yeah, or even, um, or even you know, I thought it was going to be different when I got here. Um, yes, yes. So it, it definitely is good to set your expectations, which is funny because mm -hmm. that's one that's one thing I was kind of talking with Eric the other day. You know, after we had that good, great uh, meeting with with Hasbro, you know, he's like, "I'm man, I'm super excited. Are you excited?" And I'm like, "Yes," but I've definitely learned, and you probably have, you know, <laughs> obviously as well to manage my expectations because it may be that it doesn't get signed, or even if it gets signed, it may not get published, right? Because There's so many steps to these things and through the minimum, the, the minor experience that I've had, which can be a lot, uh, I've learned to definitely match my, my expectations. And when it does happen, I get to at least bask in the glory of, oh man, this is cool that I, I make this happen. I was mm -hmm. able to do this, but now let's go to the next thing. Um, and, and that's kind of definitely what uh, right. keeps me going. And to that sense, I do want to talk about kind of our our journey because a lot of the builders and listeners have been mm -hmm. have been listening to the podcast and you and rob for for years I don't, how long has it been nine years now um and, nine years now. yep and they may know the the journey so give us a little summary of what now thinking back of what those micro goals those those goals and those macro goals that you may have already achieved or are still working on Right. Yeah. So, so I think what's the first goal that every new designer has, right? The, every new designer almost always has the same exact first goal, which is I want to get a game published, right? That's it, right? Well, um, no, I, I'm going to counter that. The first goal okay, okay. I would say is I want to design a game. I, it's not I until... Think that if, 
<laughs> it's not that until was your we first get into goal? the rabbit hole. It, well, yes, yes, because uh, I didn't know that that was going to be an option until I started doing my research, right? So my goal right. of designing a game it's... became publishing a game after a little while. <laughs> a very short time, I'm sure. That's, see, that's the thing. Like, Sure, like maybe you like playing games and then you're like, hey, I want to design a game. But yes, then almost immediately, like, I designed this game, but what do you do with it, right? Well, of course you yeah. want to put it out in the wild, right? I mean, so it's all about that, getting it out there in whatever form is exciting to you. Um, so, you know, that was my first goal, right? Yeah. And then I self-published a game. And I was like, I, I achieved my goal. I have a published game. And I was like, well, but I published it myself. That <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't count. count. <laughs> and then and then I got my second game. And then I got I signed my first game on real estate. And I was like, oh, oh, oh I have a signed game. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't really count. I mean, like, I know the guy. And I mean, he picked my game because he really liked it. But I mean, I knew him. Does that actually count? And then I signed another game. And I was like, well, I know this guy, too. But like, but he was really hard to get his attention. That was Katarski. I mean, I pitched Katarski probably 50 games before he signed a game. Um, <laughs> like, I'm 100%. He did not sign a game because he was my friend. Um, you know, he yeah. signed a game because he believed in it. You know, and, and so still, but I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And then I got hired to like, then, you know, I did some other smaller games. There's some things for like button shy and stuff. And, and it was easy to be like, those are just, oh, does that count? Which of course it counts, right? It counts. You yeah. publish something, it counts. Um, and then it got hired by a company to make a game um, for the, the reading game, Castle Quest. And, uh, and then I was like, like, that was the first time where I was like, but uh, no, no, I can't dispute that. Like, that was like, people hired me for my skills to make this thing for them. Um. But, but what it is, all, what I'm saying is that journey is basically achieve a goal and then feel imposter syndrome and then feel like the mm. goal wasn't good enough. So set a bigger goal and then achieve that goal. And <laughs> like the, the, I think the first game that I've signed where I was like, wowza, like this really was a game I signed recently with a, with a mass market publisher. Um, I can't talk about it. Unfortunately, um, you know, a little more about it than most people do. Um, and that was a turning point for me because that was like, and it was a, it was a, we'll say it was a solo design for now. Um, but like, it wasn't like me and another big co-designer working on something. Uh, I mean, it was, it was just, it, it just happened. Right. And so yeah. that was like, well, okay, I have to admit that I'm doing something correct here. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, so, and before you get into it, I do want to uh, go off something you said. So yeah. just to, to go on what we were talking about earlier, your macro goal seems to have been, you know, uh, I guess stand out or, or be uh, successful in this endeavor. And and the mm -hmm. success bar kept getting, getting higher and higher. So that macro goal never changed. But in a sense, the directional goal kind of swerved it into a different direction. What was going to be success? Um, and you may still right. be, you know, so, of course getting there, but one important thing that I think does involve, uh, I guess, change this is what you see other people doing because, and that's what a lot of the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. comes from is because you see, you know, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook and you see other people that are doing the same thing as you and you see them being much more successful at it that, than you are. So there's always that comparison. Uh, on things and I'm always kind of like uh, you know I like to do my own thing and it's obviously hard not to see other people and compare yourself but that doesn't really help in, in your sense you know maybe you can learn from them in that sense right. but a lot of the times it's kind of you know debilitating kind of like man how can they how do they get there I've been doing the same things as they have but they're so much farther than I am um so so that's you know I, i'm not saying that's uh, right. what happened to you but a lot of the times that's what happens really a lot oh no no it is it is and so this is something that i've never spoken about on the show so builders if you've been around for a long time i'm going to speak about this and i'm going to do my best not to speak out of turn um because it's about rob and i's relationship and rob's not here to talk about that so rob and i are still very good friends um but there i i believe at least from my point of view and certainly from my feelings uh, I love Rob. He's a fantastic guy. He was an awesome co-host to have for all those years. But there was an unspoken, unhealthy competition between us, I think. Um, especially, at least from my point of view. Now, I don't know if he felt the same way. But I, I, I know Rob well enough that I, I bet he did. Um, and what it is, is it was that 
it was that competition of like who's going to sign more games who's going to get more mm-hmm. done right and it wasn't it wasn't like a mean spirited competition it was how do we not compare ourselves to each other right we literally started at the same time together yeah. doing the same thing and one of us is more successful at now now it's the other one and then it's the other one and it's just something that we just didn't talk about because uh, we were 100% always happy for the other person when they signed a game. Um, but there was also that feeling of like, that's tough, right? Because again, because it was an obvious comparison. Um, like, like, you know, Julio, you, you're newer, a newer game designer than I am, but you've been very successful, right? And like your success never feels like a competition to me because we started differently we have mm. very different skill sets, right? We didn't start this together. It was funny enough, Rob and I also have very different skill sets, right? And you can tell by <laughs> our games. We have different yeah. feelings and skills with games. Um, but so, like, I don't ever feel competitive with you about that. I don't care. Like, I'm excited when either or, I mean, actually, I'm most excited when both of us are successful, right? Yeah. Um, but, but the thing that I want to point out that really changed everything for me was stop saying because you're right the, the the macro goal was get a game published and then it was like well two then it was like what about five well like if i count everything i've worked on at this point that's technically been published i have two four six seven games and two more signed right so there's a point where those numbers just become you what do you it's like when you're losing you're like best out of three no best out of five no best out of seven uh, um, yeah, that's you know good... best out of 150 um so what i changed my goal to my and, and i didn't even think about this as a directional goal uh, but that's what it is right and so you put a good name on that to me it was the idea of the infinite goal right it was just everlasting and that goal was as long as i'm designing keep getting things out there keep getting more games published i don't care if it's me I don't care if it's another company. I don't care if it's whatever. Like, that's what I want to do, right? And also, I misspoke. I actually have three signed games right now. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that to sound <laughs> awesome. I'm trying to say that to be accurate. So, um, so like, and I want to use that to say, too, that, like, I still feel like I don't know what the heck I'm doing all the time, um, despite having a, a good amount of success, like, for your average game designer, right? Like, if you've got you know, almost 10 games published, like you are, you are doing better than what would you say? 95% of people who call themselves, who are, who are, who are identify yeah. as a game designer. Yeah. I um, think so, yeah. I, I can agree and with that. like, and yet I still feel like, like when I, when I talk to people like Eric Lang or something, you know, I still feel like I don't even know what I'm doing. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, you talk to these people who are just, they just so tuned in. Isaac Shalev makes me feel this way all the time too, where I'm just like, he just knows so much about this stuff, right? Um, and it can make you feel like you don't know what you're doing, right? Um, here's 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 how I see these things. I see them as an opportunity to learn from these people because there's always going to be somebody that's better at you, that that's better at you. You know, as, first of all, you know, as long as uh, <laughs> this is on a sound a little mean, but um, as long as Reiner Knizia is alive, there's always going to be somebody better at this than you are right <laughs> and even you know yeah. after he after he's gone and hopefully you know 50 years from now there's probably not going to be another designer that's going to have as many uh, published games as him so mm. i one thing's for sure right. is that i always try to get learn from other people's experience and this is something i mentioned in the past so yes yes as a as a as a ma- macro goal is you know always learn something new a, a micro goal maybe because that can happen every single day mm-hmm. um so not not that you've said uh your part i guess for me it's it's definitely interesting because i i at this point i'm almost at my four-year uh line so so it ha- i'm not not new anymore i started back in 2017 and for wow wow <laughs> Yeah, so so it's it's definitely uh, been quite a journey, and I've definitely enjoyed it along the way. But it's funny because my first goal was I want to design a game. I had an idea, so I'm going to do it. And it didn't really take until probably I had five games signed, uh, not signed, uh, designed. <laughs> that designed? 
<laughs> yeah, design that I that was the I same was, time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that I was that I was like, oh, maybe I could get a game published, which is funny because you know, I at that point I, I I had I had just enjoyed so much of the process that I was my macro goal was like I'm just gonna have fun doing this. Um, and of course, once I started learning more about it and what people did with these designs, it changed. Right now, I'm I'm like maybe I can get some published. They, I mean, they seem fun to me, but how do I get there, right? So I started to do my research and my micro goals it were, were, I'm going to learn something new every single day about this industry and how am I going to get to my macro goal of signing a game? And, and then what those directional goals were is what other people are doing that are better at me than this. And at that point, everybody was better at me uh, than me on, on this. And and then it obviously shifted, right? So I I got that first. Uh, I went to my first convention, which was which was Proto ATL, and I met so many great people. And I noticed that man, I'm I'm at, I want to be in this industry for the long while because this is a this is a lot of fun. And there's definitely there's definitely some some uh, good things that can come out of this, not just uh, socially. But also economically and 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 just as a grow as a person, as well. So once I signed my and I signed two games, so I I, I had two games signed as my first games, uh, which is interesting because not many people know. But of course you did. I, <laughs> I signed a Holy Festival of Colors, and then I signed a game with Brain Games that I mentioned that the the game was returned to me. Mm-hmm. So that's. You know, a lot, a good learning experience there, but but then I my my thing was okay. I did one, and of course, I started thinking of what other directional goals can I do to help me grow as a designer to to excel at it, and and of course, I I started you know I started doing the whole Twitter thing and how to excel at that so people get to know me a little more. Can I expand my my social circle? circle on that and what could i do with that and i started sharing my designs and and that kind of stuff so it was really about uh growing for me um and and it still is uh there's always something new to learn there's always something new that i can do to to be better at what i do uh and at this point like uh you know i'm obviously you know i'm making some some money off this and and that can help me in some sense grow so i'm trying to invest in in this hobby that i've been working on for four years now so so it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a a little different of what my macro goal is right now because one thing's for sure and it's really interesting because i haven't i have been thinking about this is that i don't want to be a, a game designer full-time um i as of now and of course that may change but it has never been through my mind like I can do this full time and maybe I can and I want to be a full time game designer. No, because as you had said, I have I have it in my mind that as long as I'm doing this just for the fun of it, I'll keep doing it. Now, I don't know how that's going to change if I change it to my full time job. Uh, it may be it may happen. It may not. But as of now, my macro goal is I'm just. Like you were saying, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and my directional goal is let's as long as I'm doing it, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna try to keep signing games and 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 excel at that. Of course, as a as a macro goal for me would also be kind of try to be unique in some way, and I've and you've seen me do try to do this from the start. I don't wanna. I of course have a lot of games that may be not as unique as others. But I am still trying to do that in some sense, try to make designs different. Excel, and of course, there's also the, the cultural aspect of things because it is, it, I do feel very proud that, you know, being from Puerto Rico, uh, I can't say there's another Puerto Rican designer that I've met. I, there's, there, there's one, Michael Petre, uh, and he, he's from New York. Uh, and we've got we gotten to get to know each other a bit. Uh, but it is one of those things that I feel very proud to be from that uh, Puerto Rico as a country and, and excel at something that I may say, I may be probably mm-hmm. the best designer from Puerto Rico, a, a board game designer, right? 
So that's definitely it. it <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a small it's a small uh, sample space, but it definitely gives me as a as a directional goal that that's makes me feel really good and it's something that keeps me going for sure. Right. No, that's that's fantastic. Um, and I, yeah, I I agree with all that. And I think, um, you know, the idea that you started designing with just the goal of designing, I think that's awesome, right? Like. I always have wanted to get a game published. Like even before I was designing, I thought that would be cool. So I think that's why I was so drawn to the idea of that. Uh, but one thing I do want to clarify, just because um, I want to make sure you didn't misunderstand me. Like when I think of like the Eric Langs and stuff of the world, like I don't see them as people like, oh my gosh, you're so much better than me. I, I do see it as like two things. One, um, I love talking to those people because I do feel like I can learn a ton, right? Yeah. Um but but the other thing is just I think that it's easy to allow seeing those people's not just their success, really, but like literally talking to them and having them when you're talking to them about game stuff and you're you know, you're going over ideas and they're like, well, this and this and this. And you're like, oh, wow. Like that is where it starts. You start to kind of internalize that imposter syndrome of like. I think for me, it's always been really easy to say, like, I don't think I know enough about this specific thing, you know, and like, I don't always know the terms everybody uses and like, you know, the cool kids are like, oh, the blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Right. Um, and so that I think just plays into it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I one thing I want to say about Eric, though, that amazes me is that he will use a term. And then immediately say, does that make sense? And if you say no, he's like, oh, cool. And then he just explains it in a way that you understand. Uh, I wish more people who were that smart were like that. Uh, yeah, some of them yeah, are. I, I not agree. all of them. Some of them just <laughs> assume you know. And I'm like, I'm not as in the know as you are. So just don't make any assumptions on me, okay? Yeah, and that's one thing I've I'm always kind of been really good at is that at some point, I don't know who told me this, but it's been one of the running things in my life i guess as a state of 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 being kind of like as a personality is that if i don't understand something i'm gonna ask until i understand it and that's always been kind of my mantra because it's it's and people have probably heard this you know it's better to to feel stupid for two or three minutes than for the rest of your life right Mm -hmm. um so don't don't (laughs) yeah so don't don't be uh, shy about asking things that you don't know about. You know, when I was in college, that was definitely one thing. A lot of people you would see them in in the in differential equations class, calculus three class, just looking and being all confused. And I was like, it may be a stupid question, but I don't understand it, so I'm gonna ask it anyway, and that may help other people, but it's definitely gonna help me. Um, so, so that's definitely one thing that I've always done. You know, why do you think that way? Why, why is it like this? Why are you saying that type of deal? And, and of course I, I try to, that's definitely something that I gotta, I gotta try to, to be like with more people, like, like you were saying with Eric, like mm-hmm. if I'm talking with somebody and, and they may have a blank face, I'm like, well, the, are, are you following me type of deal? And I guess I haven't, I mean, I've gotten to that point because i try to be a little more simple when it comes to using words i'm not trying i don't like using big words because i Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of those so i try to save them (laughs) but but well i think i think it's the avoidance of jargon is helpful right you know yeah Um, yeah and and hopefully we use too much jargon but that's i was just gonna say that's where things like you know isaac and jeff putting out the book you know, with all the game design terms, that's helpful, right? Because if we agree to use those terms, then we all have the chance to understand all those terms, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. important. It's funny that you say that because I did get a copy of it. So I bought... Uh, it's great. I, I haven't started it yet because I'm focusing on that, uh, the other book for, for the historical game, which by the way, I didn't say the game is... Uh, well, you know what? Um, do you think we can... I, I guess uh, we're, we're getting right into it. Let's. Uh, I'm going to pitch a game. Awesome. You're going to pitch this game about this thing. So otherwise people are going to be annoyed because you totally said you were and then you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I will. And this is definitely the first time I'm pitching a game that is not anything physical. Not designed. I, yeah. So so it's definitely still a work in progress. So this game is called Boring King, the Taino Rebellion of 1511. 
Um, so as a background, the Taino Indian I said is the the native uh, uh, Indian of, of the Puerto Rico, which was originally called Borinquen by the natives. Um, and at mm-hmm. the start of the uh, uh, when the colonies were discovered in 1493, there were about 50 to 60,000 Tainos in Puerto Rico. And by 1529, there were less than 500. So ultimately, the Taino oh, Indian, wow. the Taino Indian does not exist as a culture anymore. Um, but they do live in live through through us Puerto Ricans because in some way or another we have Taino blood mm-hmm. in us. Um, so I wanted to work do uh, work on a game that kind of showcases how this section of 40 years it went from trying to grow this culture into surviving and ultimately mm-hmm. disappearing uh so so what i'm trying to do yeah. here is essentially a game that's divided into three eras the first era is before the the spanish uh, colonization uh where players are mm-hmm. are what they're called caciques They're the Taino chiefs, um, and you're essentially being introduced into the island mm-hmm. and trying to discover it. And what you're trying to do here is you're trying to, um, I think, trying to get as much area discovered and and building settlements. What what were they're called? Yucayeques, kind of like the villages. And ultimately, the person that does the best, so it's kind of competitive. There, they're gonna get assigned the role of Aguaybana. And Aguibana is a character that it was ultimately like the high chief of the Tainos when the Spanish came uh, to Puerto Rico. And he was essentially the the kind of that led the rebellion uh, in 1511. So, so it's kind of like a competitive era one. And when it shifts to era two, which is when the Spanish come in, you're going to shift to something a little more cooperative trying to work together because from 1493 to 1511 the tainos were trying to work together with the spanish to but at the same time the spanish saw that there was a lot of gold on the island and they brought um uh slaves into the island and also the spanish crown did what are called encomiendas and people may have heard of this and but it essentially was kind of like a work system that that served as slavery but but it really was kind of like work type of deal, but it, it was essentially like a legalized slavery um, that was uh, allowed by the Catholic church and stuff like that. Um, so you're trying to work together with them, but essentially trying to push them back by providing them gold. So you're trying to get them out of the island by giving them gold. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that the more gold you give, the less gold there's going to be, and the more Spanish are going to come afterwards. So it, the game system may have something like a pandemic style where the Spanish are coming into the island and you're trying to move them around. And what I, I'm going to do like a milestone system, which is going to be based on the specific years and months. Like I, I do have a reading that book, a lot of things that happen in specific times that I want to say you have to do this goal before you can proceed to the next thing. Um, and when you complete these goals, they will give you either a reward or a penalty. It may add different actions that you can do or subtract them. So since we're in an island, there are some islands that contributed. Uh, there's different uh, Indians from different uh, islands, like La Española, which is Rep- Dominican Republic, and the Lower Antillas uh, that were would come, and they would be enemies of the Taino Indian. But throughout the that time with the Spanish, they became allies against the Spanish. So there's a lot of interesting things going on here. And I think as what I have as a main system here is that we as Tainos are going to have three main types of actions, which are represented by three different things. So the the Tainos had a lot of different gods that they believed in, believed in. And that's what uh, is going to be represented by it's called Asemi, which is kind of like a little sculpture. It looks like a mountain. Um, and those are going to be like the religious actions, because one thing with the caciques, again, the, the chiefs of the of the villages, is that they were political leaders, religious leaders and military leaders. 
So they were all all in one, but they were all caciques of different regions of the island, which there are about 19 of them, which is a good number for, for having a map like this. So you're going to have basically three different types of actions, religious actions, military actions, and political actions. So on your turn, you get to do one of these, and you're growing these type of actions by adding them then when you do things in the game. I don't know what that's going to be yet. Um, the cool thing is that when the, the system that I'm going to be using to bring the Spanish into the island are going to have a, the back of the card have the whole religious, military, and political. And based on what you do, that's going to trigger an opposite action from the Spanish. So if I do the religious action, I'm going to know what the Spanish mm -hmm. are going to do based on what's on the back of the card. So, so that's going to be uh, something right. interesting to play with. But I did say that the game divides into three eras. So the last era, the game originally, the first era is a cooperative game. Then it's a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a competitive game. Then the second era is a cooperative game. And then the last one is like cooperative survival. Uh, because you're essentially trying to last as long as you can until you complete the milestones that I mentioned earlier. When you complete the last milestone, you have to make sure that you're still alive to be able to win, air quotes, the game. Wow. That is... Wow. So I've never heard of anything like that. Um, and that is... Yeah, I'm really trying to get my head all around it. I, I, I love the switch from competitive to cooperative. Um, and then that switch back to the survival aspect. Um, yeah, it sounds like obviously the the um, the topic and the theme is very heavy. Um, the um, yeah. I was curious, the words like the casicas and things like that, are those are those the Taino words? Yeah, yeah. So from like their original language, those because every like the village term, the chief, and then like the chief of chiefs, like those are beautiful words. Like wow. Yeah, they they definitely had their own language, and and it wasn't just like the the language; it was just a culture. Like so many, I have a whole reference because my my cousin is actually a doctor in the University of Puerto Rico, so she has a lot of people. To, to take information from. So he actually provided a lot of references on what different symbols in, uh, meant for the Tainos. So they, I have a, mm -hmm. a big reference for that and I can use that. Um, of course, I want to make sure that, not to Americanize it, but I got to make sure that that is not alienized, right. right? So what I'm providing is, it's just as good for, for somebody that's Puerto Rican as somebody from looking from the outside that they can understand, but at the same time, learn about it. Right, right. And right. yeah, one you thing have to honor this, the culture, but you also need to make it translatable so that it's playable by, by an American audience. Yeah, I get, I get you. Yeah, yeah. And and one thing's for sure is that this is a small niche of people that play these kind of games, but it is something that's been a a, a goal of mine, right? To to design a game based on on where my culture came from, and at least make help people look at. Puerto Rico in a different way, especially the whole colonization aspect, right. because uh, and at least in the board game industry, and we've talked about mm -hmm. this in the past, Puerto Rico as a board game is not the best representation. Yeah. Um, and this may not be even that because well, any game about colonizing <laughs> is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and even this one, we're talking about 500 years in the past. So definitely not a representation of what Puerto Rico is now, but it definitely introduces what, how it all started. Uh, which I think is a good perspective, and and it can be a good space to to do this in, uh, as long as you know I'm respectful and and it doesn't make it uh, right in your face as heavy. It could be that way, but I'm 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 deciding not to try to mm -hmm. to make it a little more uh, mechanical, but at the same time have that theme all the way in. Right, right. I mean, I, I can't imagine you could design this game without the theme just permeating it because. Because it's so, I mean, you're if you're working hard to honor it, which obviously you are, because it's very important to you, um, you know that there's no way that the theme just it's is really just going to be everywhere in the game for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and it is uh, like I said earlier, I like to work fast on games, and this has been it's already been two months, and I still haven't started. You know, it's not I, I have done and published. <laughs> so uh you know i i gotta finish the book that i, I you know I, i'm showing you now like 
I have the book right here in front of you and, and he can see there's like 20 some tabs on the book and I have an Excel sheet with probably 15 columns. Wow. And at this point, like 80 some uh, uh, rows. So there's a lot of information coming in here, but I got to make sure to get it out because I, I, there's definitely going to be a deadline. And But I want to make sure that I get things that information right. in here before I start it. So that is Borinken, the Taino Very Rebellion cool. of 1511. Yeah, that sounds fantastic, man. Keep keep us updated as you work through it because I, I want to hear more about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, hey, this was a, this was some good good talking tonight. I, I feel good about this one. People are gonna be like, this was a good one. That's what they're gonna say. This was a good one. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Um, well, hey, listeners, builders, thank you for chilling out with us tonight and chillaxing as we talk about some really good topics, uh, goals, um, and, you know, all these things and everything that came out of it. I was really happy with the discussion. So thank you for listening. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, by all means, go to buildingthegamepodcast.com, find our Discord channel there and sign up for that because that's awesome. And we're all there chit-chatting away. Um, and I'd like to have more of that. I'd like to do some more with the Discord channel. Uh, I'd like to get some more people in it so we could do that. So please sign up, say hi, and then let's uh, let's go from there. You can also, of course, email spillingamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG, at J.A. Slingerland, at Nasaru, And I may have butchered that because it's been a long time, but I feel like, like I actually always. got the syllables right. I just, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Hunasaru, <laughs> J U N A Z A R U. Hunasaru, Hunasaru. Was that better? Yeah. Is that? Yeah, 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 sure. I'm trying, man. <laughs> I, I can't, no one will ever say it as beautifully as you do. I, let's be honest. Um, and so, uh, also, uh, you find us on Facebook, uh, though I wouldn't really bother. We don't do much on Facebook, let's be honest. Twitter is really the best place, or Discord. And Discord. Discord's the best place. Yep. Yes. Uh, also call us 770-HOTEL-BTG. As I mentioned last time, if you want to call in with a specific question for one of our hosts, one of our mentees, I would love that, uh, to be able to pose those to them. So that's my request right now is call 770-HOTEL-BTG. Give us some specific questions for specific, uh, people. So yeah, but until next time, good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.